0: Aren't you glad this morning that our God is a God of hope? A God of hope. A God of not just eternal hope, but of daily hope. We have tough days, don't we? Difficult days, and yet we have a God who's a God of hope. And the Bible says that hope is an anchor for the soul. You have tough days, we have bad days, we've had bad weeks, uh, maybe even a bad couple of years. And you thank God for the hope that we have that anchors us. What does an anchor do? It keeps you in place regardless of what's going on around you. And oftentimes in our life, boy, days are tough. This is a difficult day uh, for us. And yet, thank God for hope, not just for today, but hope for tomorrow and hope for eternity. And I look forward one day to, to go where Brother Heath was singing about, a place where we don't have any more doubts or worries or fears or concerns or bad days. Aren't you glad? We know for sure in heaven there are no bad days, it's only good days, and we'll be in the presence of our King, and I hope you have that hope today. Uh, It's not something reserved just for a small few, it's reserved for all those who put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you don't have that kind of hope, I hope you come to find that and discover that today before the service is over. Let's take our Bibles out this morning, turn to the New Testament, to Luke chapter number 5. Luke chapter number five is where the Nate said, it's good to see so many out today. The first official Sunday of summer is usually a dip in attendance. uh, And i would be honest with you, maybe it's a lack of faith on my part. I was expecting to look out this morning and see all of these holes where people were missing. I know a lot of our people are on vacation, have gone out of town. And uh, a lot of times this is a low Sunday, but good to see so many out here today. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for joining us at Central, and I pray that the message will be a blessing to you today, and I pray it's already been a blessing to be a part of our service. If you're in Luke chapter 5, let's stand together this morning, pick up in verse number 1. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Brother Ogle referenced these the other night in his message, and I'm going to pick up this morning right there, Luke chapter 5, verse number 1. The Bible says, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. What would a blessing that would be for people to press just to hear the word of God? He stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two, th- two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answering said unto him, master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them, and they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Verse 9, last verse will read, For he was astonished and all that were with him at the drought of the fishes which they had taken. Let's stop there and pray. Father, I do thank you today for hope. Father, it's a living hope that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ, not just for eternity, for every day, though. The Lord, we have it for today's like today and tomorrow and whatever we'll face in the weeks and months ahead uh, as a people and as a church and as a country. Thank God for that. We have hope today. and there's one that doesn't have that, the Lord, even right now, they're doubting, Lord, in their heart whether they have that kind of an anchor for their soul. The Father, today, they'll come to know you before it's too late. For the saved today, Lord, I pray that you challenge, Lord, both the lost and saved through your word. pray your will be accomplished in this simple message. Lord, I pray you challenge our hearts, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I think I've said many times, even in the three years I've been here, of how much I uh, look to Peter and how much I relate to Peter uh, in my personal walk with God. Uh, If you were to ask me how I would describe Peter, you know you have different titles and different ideas and character traits about different uh, of the apostles. And if I had to describe Peter uh, in my own personal definition this morning, uh, I would describe him as the human apostle. You know, oftentimes we read about some of the other apostles who did do great things like Peter did, but we don't often see a lot of the frailties as we do in, in Peter's life. Uh, Peter's a great example to us this morning. He gives us great examples of both great faith and great failure. That's why I relate with Peter, not necessarily in the areas of great faith, but in the areas of great failure in my walk with God. And I just have to say, as I was reading through this late last night, thinking how thankful I am that my father put this in here. That the times that Peter failed God and the, the times that Peter had a lack of faith, I'm thankful that our father put that in there, aren't you? Why? Because I mess up. And I fail, and there are times in my walk that I have a lack of faith in my life, and I'm thankful to see that other people, even people that were close to Christ, uh, had a failure and lapses in their faith as well. But as we look at Luke chapter 5 this morning, we're going to see that Christ is about to help Peter with a problem that he did not really know that he had. And By the way, I'm also thankful that our Father does that. That he's willing to help us acknowledge and recognize shortcomings in our walk with him that we have, even at times when we don't recognize them. And I want you to zoom in on Peter just for a few minutes this morning. Very simple message, very simple thought. But boy, what a blessing this was to me as the Lord began to lay this on our heart. If you'll notice down, verse 5, I want you to notice what we're looking at at Peter here. Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. They've worked hard, they've done a lot of fishing, they've toiled all the night long, spent a lot of time and a lot of effort, and they've caught nothing. So we're seeing a Peter here that is fruitless. He's caught nothing. But then you notice what it says here. Christ tells him to let down his net in verse number 5, and Peter starts beginning to rebuff Christ, telling him there's, there's no point. We have fished all the night long. We've been out here. We've been working hard, spending all of this time. There's no need in even trying anymore. So watch this. Not only is Peter fruitless, but he's fightless. He doesn't have the strength or the desire. God, I I just want to hang up my nets and quit. Why? Because there's no point in this. He's fruitless. He's fightless. And then when Christ tells him to let down his nets, he begins telling Christ why that's not going to work. He's faithless, fruitless, fightless, faithless. When I began reading through the, I've read through Luke chapter 5, I don't know how many times I began reading through this, not only did I see Peter, but I saw myself. Because how many times in the course of my serving God do I find myself fruitless? Do I find myself fightless? And I find myself Faithless thinking there's no need, uh, Lord, we've toiled all the night and we've caught nothing, and, and God, I, I don't think this is going to work. And yet we see, and just watch this, look down to verse 6. One verse later, one verse later, the Bible says they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. One verse later after Peter decided to be obedient to what Christ had told him to do. It's amazing he was fruitless, fightless, and faithless. And yet now, what do we see happening in verse number 6? We see them fruitful. We see them fighting a net that is full of fish. And we see Peter having faith in Christ. What we're going to look at this morning is the fact that Christ had the answer For what Peter needed and Christ has the answer for what you need or what I promise you will need Every person in this room this morning you may be here now You're going to find yourself at a time to where you are fruitless and you have an empty net You're going to find yourself weak and not having the strength to move on And you're going to hang your nets up God I'm tired of fishing I'm just going to hang my nets up You're going to find yourself fightless Well, the last two years will make you want to, anybody want to hang their net up. And then you're going to find yourself not really wanting to believe what Christ said. And I believe you're going to be suffering for what we're going to preach on this morning. And that is the empty net syndrome, right? Not nest for those of you who have just given away a graduate to the world, okay? The empty net syndrome. And I believe if you're willing this morning, you'll learn a lot And you'll see that you can learn a lot when your net is empty, your fight is empty, and your faith is empty. We think those are unfruitful places, and yet Peter learned a lot when he was going through this empty net syndrome. And so this morning, let's look at some things that Christ was trying to show Peter. And Peter learned a lot about himself, that he would finally get to the place where his net was filled again. Can I tell you this morning, I don't know where you're at But sooner or later, your net's going to be empty. Your fight's going to be empty. Your fate's going to be empty. And look, I believe the the Lord Jesus Christ preserved this for us in his word this morning to show us that there can be full nets ahead, that there is a multitude that God wants to enclose and to use us to be a part of, but we've got to learn the lessons of the empty net syndrome. And I believe they're very simple this morning. Let's jump into it if we could. Look down, if you will, to verse 4. Now when he left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answering said unto him, master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. So we see Peter, he's sitting here empty and he's concluded that there's no hope, correct? He's concluded that, look, there's no fish out there. Evidently somebody caught all of them. Uh, And the water's empty, so we might as well take our nets and hang them up. By the way, when you look up, the Bible says in verse 2, they were washing their nets. The only time you wash your nets is when you're calling it a day. When you're saying, I fished and I fished and I fished, these were huge. Look, this wasn't a dip net, okay? This wasn't what we call a minter net. This was a big, long net that they would carry out there in the ocean. And he had all of these sticks and twigs and seaweed and all of these things would become tangled inside of it. And it took a while to clean. And after so long out there on the water, they're thinking, look, it's going to take us a while to clean these nets. We're not catching anything. Why don't we just stop, quit, and go home? So the order to clean the nets or to wash the nets was raising the white flag saying, you know what, there's no hope here. Then all of a sudden Christ comes along and does what only Christ could do. He gives them a command that seems so contrary to what they thought. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. What Christ is doing is he's prescribing the solution to exactly what they need. But you got to see this because you're going to see yourself in it. Peter begins to dismiss what Christ says. Peter knows better. We've been out on the water all night long. We've been out on the water all of these years. We know when they're biting. We know when they're not biting. We know when we're going to catch them. We're not going to catch them. So, so Peter begins to dismiss what Christ says. Have you ever been guilty of that? Has Christ ever passed your way? Maybe in a church service. Maybe as you read the word of God and your devotions at home, and you're sitting there and you're empty, you're fruitless, you're fightless, and you're faithless, and Christ comes your way, and he's got the solution, and what do we do? No, that's not it. That's not it. Now watch number one. If Peter's going to learn the lessons of the empty net syndrome, the first symptom he's going to have to realize is this. He's overlooking the Lord's offer. He's overlooking the Lord's offer. Now, here comes Christ with a solution for his emptiness. Aren't you glad? Listen, our Father has a solution for emptiness. You may look at your net, you look at your home, you look at your life, you look at your children, and it's empty. You say, I have nothing left. I have no fruit. I have no fight. I have no faith. And you're thinking, that's the way things have to be. Oh, contrary to that this morning. Listen to me, our Father knows exactly what we need, but our problem this morning is we're overlooking what God offers us. Christ passes our way through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Here's the neat thing. I can't look in your heart and see when it's empty. You can't look in mine. But the Holy Spirit has this x-ray vision. He can peer in deep inside your heart and deep inside mine. And he can tell when you are fruitless, fightless, and faithless, And he comes along and he offers to us exactly what we need. You know, Christ wasn't just wasting his time. You know, Christ wasn't trying to pull off a cheap parlor trick. Hey, watch this. I'm really fixing to blow your mind by giving you all these fish. No, he was trying to help Peter. But Peter says, no, Lord, no, Lord. Oh, can I tell you, one of the greatest mistakes of your life is when you say no to God. When he comes to you and shows you your loss, he sees the need of your heart. He shows you exactly what you need to be fulfilled, and it's only through Christ. That void in your heart can only be filled by Christ. You can throw money and pleasure and position and power. It will never fill it. It will never fill it. But the Lord Jesus Christ can come in and fill it up abundantly. What did he say? I've come that you might have life and have it more Abundantly. That means God wants to fill you up, and yet He comes to us in church and He knocks on our heart's door. Look, here He is. Yesterday, my daughter, for some odd reason, was watching a NASCAR truck race. Weird. I don't think I've ever watched one of those in my life, and she's sitting there. I've never got NASCAR. Look, not knocking you folks that like NASCAR. All right, maybe I'll get to the you know the level one day where I'm interested in it, but it's just kind of like you know, you start watching at twelve. You come back at four, you come back at nine o'clock. You know, every once in a while there's a wreck. I know what it is, we're all vultures by nature and we're waiting for the wreck. We're not watching the the race, we're just waiting for the wreck, right? And we're, we're sitting in there, my daughter and I, and we're watching this NASCAR race. And I'm thinking to myself, what on earth is my daughter doing here? And she begins asking me all of these questions and we were talking about Dale Earnhardt Jr. Or Dale Earnhardt, Sr., I'm sorry. Sorry for those of you that are diehard. I probably just blasphemed something there. Dale Earnhardt, Sr. And and we were talking about, she says, didn't he die? And we began talking about him. It was a Sunday. We came home from church and saw the news that Dale Earnhardt had died. And I remember listening to the news reports saying that there was a new device called the Hans device, the head and neck restraint device. Dale Earnhardt died of a broken neck. Because he had refused, he refused that device that would have saved his life. You know, old school guys just going to drive, you know, and hey, I mean, gosh, you go on the last lap of the day 2500, I guess in some weird way it's a, you know, it's, it's poetic, I guess. But he refused what was offered that would have saved his life. It cost him his life. Do you know what's costing your life this morning? He said, well, I'm not dying. I'm healthy as a horse. I'm talking about spiritually. Do you know why you're empty? Do you know why you're fruitless? You're fightless and you're faithless? It's, it's not because God doesn't have the answer. He's got it. He knew exactly what Peter needed. He says, Peter, you need a fishing trip. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we found that in scripture? Let me tell you what your problem is. You need a fishing trip. And all the men said, Amen. <laughs> Amen, that's what we need. It's in Scripture right there. I think we ought to just adopt that as a bylaw of the church right now. When life gets tough, let's just go fishing, amen? He says, Peter, I know what you need. You need a lesson in faith. Let's get out there on the water. I'm going to take you out to a different kind of a classroom. So here's Christ wanting to offer Peter what he needs, but Peter starts saying no. He says, no, 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 no. I know better. It's like those guys, Miley, on the pit row yesterday. She just found this interesting, so weird, that my kid was watching a NASCAR truck race. And they came into pit row. These guys had these huge gas tanks. And they walked over there, and they're like, look, 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 look. I mean, man, they took off. It's almost like those guys knew what the guy in the truck needed. Weird. They just had four tires waiting on him. They had gas. I think one guy even squeegeed his windshield. I'd love to do that job. They had everything. Watch this. The guy had to turn into pit row. You see, the answer was there, but you can't just stay out there on the track and avoid what's being offered to you. God has what you need this morning. You're sitting there, and you're empty. You're you're faithless. You're fruitless, and you're fightless, and he's trying to give you what you need. like, no, 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 that's not it. It's my job, God. I'm sure God doesn't say this, but if I was him, I would. Are you kidding? Don't you remember I created you? I gave you that job. I'm the one keeping your heart going, and I don't know what you need. Look, the reason we're empty this morning is we're overlooking God's offer. He's coming to us, and he says, this is what you need. And He's like, nope, that's not what I need at all. And now Peter sits here, fruitless, fightless, and faithless, not because Christ isn't offering what he needs, it's because he's overlooking what he needs. In ministry, oftentimes, here's what I hear, I tried, I tried. Is that not what Peter told Christ? What did he say? Verse five, Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night. Know what he's saying? We tried that. We tried that. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter if you tried it, If Christ says try it again, you better try it again. And you just keep trying it until it works. Why? Because Christ knows what we need. I talk to folks all the time. Why did you get out of church? What happened to your home? What happened to your joy? What happened to your attitude? Oftentimes, here's the answer. Two words. Life happened. Life happened. Now look, I'm, oh, oh, listen to me. I agree with it 1,000%. Life happens, doesn't it? Having a good day? doctor calls, hey, by the way, I just wanted you to know we found something on that x-ray. In your easy life or things are going well, all of a sudden, life happens and your joy begins to drain out of your heart. Guilty? I'm guilty. All of a sudden, you have a good Monday, hopefully going to have a good Monday tomorrow, and that phone's going to ring, and it's going to be a catastrophe, and all of a sudden, you hear that toilet flush, and your day goes down the the toilet. It's gone, and you're empty. What happened? Life happened. I assure you one thing, life's going to happen, and life's going to continue to happen, but can I give you some help this morning? Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says, according to his divine power, as his divine power hath given us all things, listen close, according to his divine power, the Bible says he's given to us all things that pertain to life. Aren't you glad? Listen to me. You say, well, you just don't understand the reason I got out of church and the reason I got bitter and the reason I got angry and the reason I quit God and I threw away my Bible is because of all this stuff I went through. Life happened. Yes, life happened, but so does God. And God says, I've given you all things you need pertaining to life. That means there's nothing you're going to need in life that I haven't gotten for you. Man, just tell the devil to back off. It's not going to work. Listen, you're not going to drain me of my joy and my peace. I'm not going to be fruitless. I'm not going to be fightless. I'm not going to be faithless. Why? Because God's given to me all things that pertain to life. I don't have to worry about it. God forbid you lose a child. Can I tell you something? God understands. God understands. He was in all points. Christ was tempted like as you and I are. Do you know why he went through everything? So he could bring you through everything. Isn't that great? And he wants to give you what you need. He says, Peter, this is what you need. And Peter says, no, God, no, God, that's not what I need. No, the Bible says he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I love the second part of that in verse four. Listen, he's given us great precious promises that by these you might be partakers, listen to this, of the divine nature Do you know what Peter was about to partake in? Something divine. Here's a guy. He's fruitless, fightless, and faithless, but he's about to partake into something that's divine that only God could do. Can I tell you, you might be empty this morning, and you're suffering from the empty net syndrome, but there's a full net waiting for you, but only through the divine. It's not gonna come from anything you find in the world. Look, there's some good medicines out there that'll make you feel like a million bucks for a little while. Money will bring you a little bit of happiness for a little while, but only Christ can fill you up. That's why this morning Peter's learning this lesson that I can't overlook what the Lord is offering. One of my favorite accounts, I've read it so many times that you would think, "Why is this your favorite account?" Because I've been there. Right after Elijah had the showdown on Mount Carmel, you know what happened? You know what happened? All of a sudden, old Jezebel begins popping off. What does he do? The Bible says he went for his life. If that doesn't show you how quick things can turn, that's why you better stay low. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That he may exalt you. You better stay low. Why? Because the devil has got a crosshairs with your name on it, and he's just waiting for the right moment. After this great victory, Jezebel begins, you know, I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow. The Bible says he went for his life. He sat on the juniper tree. We know the story. And he wants to die. He wants to die. Now, folks, you may not have been there, but I just about promise you, you'll be at this place one day where life doesn't have the allure that it once did because of the circumstances you're going through. All of a sudden, goes to sleep, 1 Kings 19 The Bible says the angel Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. Can I tell you what happened to Elijah? He was empty. I'm fightless. Amazing how quick that happened. He doesn't want to live. And so the angel of the Lord comes to him. The Bible says he makes him a little cake. I think that should be the second thing we adopt in our church bylaws. When you're having a tough day, make a cake. Evidently, hey, God did, makes things better, right? (laughs) Amen, let's write that down, honey. In the rules of our household, on bad days, we eat cake, amen? Then we go fishing. Or we go fishing and eat a cake while we're fishing. I mean, boom, that might just fix all of it right there. So watch, the angel of the Lord comes and he says, hey, eat this, why? The journey's too great for thee. You can't, Elijah. Do you know what would happen if Elijah went? That's a good looking cake. By the way, I think it was cornbread. I'm just being honest with you. I think it was cornbread, not jiffy mix. It didn't have any sugar in it. I think it was real cornbread, all right? And he's sitting there saying, man, that's a good looking pone of cornbread right there, but you know what, I'll be all right. Do you know what happened to Elijah? He would have died. Why? Because the journey was too great for him. The, the Lord says, you need something. By the way, once he filled up on what God offered him, man, he made his way on down the road. But he had to accept what God was offering. And the Lord comes to us. Unfortunately, it's not a cake, okay? It'd be great if it was, but it's not. And he comes to us and he offers us what we need. And we have the audacity to tell him, no, thank you. And we overlook what God says we need. And we try the journey that's too great for us. And we don't make it I promise you it's going to take more than you've got Peter says Christ I've done all that I can do I've tried all that I could try I don't know anything else God I'm empty He says okay now here try what I want you to do And when Peter did what Christ had prescribed for them Everything was alright Three years ago I mean I was a teenager so it was several years ago um, my, uh, my dad had a church member who I think he had a leak in his ceiling And uh, after a while The sheetrock held the water For as long as it could And then it goes It just crashed in It's like all the screws Decide at the same time All right Let's let go now You know And they let go And it hit And he had that old Rock wool insulation You remember that Any of y'all know what that is It's nasty It's not the pink stuff With the panther uh, This is that old brown stuff It gets in your ears And your nose It's horrible You itch all over well, my dad, being the good pastor that he is, he said, you know what, I'll come over and help you. And being the good dad that he is, he says, I'll bring my son to help as well. <laughs> May I recommend having sons? Amen. Go over and do stuff like that. So we get over there and we're shoveling up this stuff and we're putting it in garbage bags. It's horrible. Insulation, I mean, I don't know I think the devil had something to do with it To be honest with you Man, all, we're piling in there And it's in our eyes, it's in our ears We're itching all over It just feels, I hate itching Itching and being sticky Those are two things that I hate, okay So now you know how to torture me Cover me with something sticky And then throw insulation all over me I'm like, <clears throat> I'm coughing he goes, he goes, let me give you something to help wash that down I said, I don't think water can touch this He said, I got something better he said, I've got some uh, mouthwash that will help you get rid of that out of your throat. I says, right now, I'll take anything. So he pulls out this little bottle out of his uh, drawer, okay? And uh, it's mouthwash, sure enough. I says, what is that called? He said, it's called Dr. Tishner's mouthwash. Shame on you who are laughing. <laughs> he said, here, just get a teaspoon, gargle it. So man, he pours that, Dr. Tishner's on there, and I'm thinking, well, it says mouthwash, you know. I put it in there, and I should have known when he stood there smiling, watching me, it was gonna be bad. I should have known, but I was a young, dumb teenager, okay? I wasn't as wise as I am now. And so I began gargling it, and I could only gargle about two seconds, and it's coming out. (laughs) He says, did it get it? I says, it got the insulation, my tonsils, and everything else that was back there. He says, it works a whole lot better than water. I said, yeah, yeah, if you want to get everything out of there. You see, I had done all that I knew, buddy, and I tried all that I could try, and what I tried was not good enough. He says, here, I've got something that works a whole lot better than what you've got, and that's what God offers you today, something better than what you've got. Revelation 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you may hear my voice and open the door, what does he say? I will come in and sup with him. You know what that means? That means he's standing there with the offer, but you can't overlook the offer. You've got to open the door and let him in. And can I tell you, it's such an empty life without Christ inside. He's knocking, he's knocking, he's knocking in your life. No, that's not it. I don't need religion right now. I've heard that so many times. Why don't you get out of church? Here's what I've been told dozens of times. Well, our life got a little crazy. Life happened, and we decided, you know what? For the time being, we're going to get our life straightened up and then come back to church. You're overlooking what God's offering. The only answer is what Christ has to offer. So number one, the first symptom to having the empty net syndrome is overlooking the Lord's offer. That's what Peter did. But then let's look at the second thing real quickly. The points get shorter as we go along, okay? I want you to notice why he was hesitant. Verse, four, or verse three, the Bible says... I'm sorry, verse five, the Bible says, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. We've toiled all the night and taken nothing. Now, he's tired. He's tired. He's been working all night. Nothing's happened. He says, you know what? This is useless. So let me be honest with you. Could we all agree Peter had a good reason? I mean, I wouldn't be excited about doing it either if I just come off the water and not caught anything. There's nothing more miserable than spending all day on a boat and not catching any fish, Unless you have the cake. If you have the cake, maybe it's all right a little bit. But without a cake and no fish, that's horrible. And Peter says, there's no use. I have a good reason on why I don't want to do what you're telling me to do. This is the second symptom to the empty net syndrome. Number two, accepting our own excuses. Accepting our own excuses. There's a telltale sign you are suffering from empty net syndrome. When you start overlooking God's offers... For what you think. Tail, tail, sign. Where God says, I know what you need. I have the answers for what you need. I'm prescribing what you need. And you say, no, God, I know you say that, but, and we interject our own excuse. For years, I've called this group of people that I have been a part of many, many times in my life, the I know buts. I know but. I know my marriage is a dumpster fire. I know that God says if I'll honor her and and she's honors me. and God says all this. I know that but, and we interject our own excuse here. There's a valuable principle. You ought to jot this down this morning. Offering God excuses doesn't excuse us from obedience. It excuses us from opportunity. Now, let that sink in, okay? You say, well, I've got a good excuse. My dad used to tell me I was one of the world's best excuse makers. I was and probably still am if my wife would admit it. I can make an excuse for just about anything. And sometimes we think because we've offered an excuse that we have now excused ourselves from being obedient. No, no. The only thing you excuse yourself from with an excuse is the opportunity you're missing out on. If Peter had sat there and says, Lord, we fished all night, all right? I mean, that's a good reason, isn't it? And if Peter sticks with his excuse, the only thing he's missing out on is the opportunity that Christ is offering him. Do you know when you make an excuse to God, by the way, when we leave here in a few minutes, when we walk out these doors, I I dare say, at least half of us, if not more, will make an excuse on why we're not going to do what God offers us to do. I dare say. Heard a preacher one time. He said that he says, "I said, or he said, how did the church go?" The other preacher says, "Well, uh, went great." He says, "We had 127 excuses or, or 127 decisions." He says, "Wow, that's amazing. You have a revival." He says, "No, 127 people decided to do nothing." That's what we do. We offer excuses. And we walk out saying, you know what, that was a good excuse. You know what, if I had stayed and talked to the pastor about getting saved, I'd have been late getting my family to lunch. When we get home, then everybody's mad at me because we were late getting the lunch, and they didn't have any chicken breasts left. All they had was wings left, and now everybody's mad at me. We go to the church tonight, and we have a bad spirit about it. So, yeah, it's a good idea not to go talk to the preacher because that would set down an avalanche of family problems this afternoon. You know, You know why we're smiling? Because we all do that. And we think, you know what, that's a good excuse. That's a good excuse not to go to church tonight. I mean, you know what, <clears throat> I think I think something's coming. <clears throat> Ooh, it might be that new monkey pox or whatever's going around out there in the news. I think it's what it is. I'm looking around, you know what? No, that's just paint you splattered on yourself when you're out painting your house. Oh, I think that's the monkey pox that I got going on. And we feel better because we have an excuse. So watch this, the excuse did not excuse obedience. God doesn't go, you know what? Yeah, that is, looks like monkeypox. Yep, that's all right. No, no, no. The only thing we excused ourselves from was the opportunity for God to work in our life. And whatever excuse you offer God today for not doing what he offers you the opportunity to do, it's not good enough. You're robbing yourself. Do you know the rich man that's in hell this morning? We know he's there. The Bible says he's there. And I believe the Bible, don't you? Do you know why he's there? We could go into a bunch of reasons he's there. At some point in his life, his excuse was good enough for him. Correct? I mean, you wouldn't knowingly choose to go to hell. You wouldn't knowingly choose to go to a lake of fire where you burn forever and ever and ever, separated from God in outer darkness. You wouldn't choose that. But at some point in his life, when God offered him salvation, he had an excuse that was good enough for him. But it wasn't good enough for God. You see, the only thing he excused away was his opportunity to be saved. If you're saved here this morning, the only thing we excuse away is our opportunity to be changed and the opportunity to be used of God. D.L. Moody said this, Boy, I don't know if you could hit it on the head any better. Excuses are the cradle that Satan rocks men off to sleep in. I read that this morning. and Boy, it felt like a lightning bolt went down my spine because I've been rocked to sleep in my obedience to God by the excuses that I thought were good enough. Do you know Moses couldn't get on to be used of God until he got over his excuse that he wasn't eloquent? Yes. God says, Moses, I'm offering you this opportunity. Moses says, I oh God, I can't speak. They're not going to listen to me. God, I'm not eloquent with words. And they had to wait to go through all of the excuses for finally he got to partake in the opportunity. Do you ever wonder what opportunities are on the other side of your excuses? You ever think about that? What opportunities are waiting for you, Gideon? Gideon, the mighty man of valor, I'm going to use you to lead my people uh, into, into battle, and we're going to bring deliverance. And Gideon says, oh, I don't know about all that. I just have to think that God says oftentimes to me and people like Gideon, we're going to go through that again. We're going to go through that again. Okay. I'm going to wait for you to finish telling me all the reasons you can't before you finally agree with me why you can. And all we did in the meantime was waste time on the opportunity that God was trying to provide for us. Number two this morning, you're suffering from the empty net syndrome when you start accepting your own excuses. And to be honest, there's no excuse excuse for overlooking God's offer to you. God wants to fill your net. God wants to fill up your fruit. He wants to fill up your fight. He wants to fill up your faith. He wants to do that, and He offers it to us. But we have excuses, and we say, you know what? That's a really good excuse. It may be for you, but it's not for God. I think we've probably all heard of Susanna Wesley, lived back in the, 17, the late 16, early 1700s. She was the mother to 19. Mother of the year, or of the years, probably. 19 children, you know. Uh, she had the Wesley brothers. And this woman probably got maybe three to four hours of sleep a night, would you say? I mean, I mean, you folks who have two, three, four kids, you know how hard that is. Multiply that times four or five. She had 19 kids. If anybody had an excuse not to pray, I'm going to say it was Susanna Wesley. Where would she find the time to pray? Where would she go to pray? And yet I read a story about her a while back that says that she would pray one day, one hour of the day. One hour every day. And I'm thinking, I have one child, and I find it hard to pray five minutes a day, and she had 19. I mean, you know somebody was always tugging on her apron for something. You know, I'm sure her kids were good kids, but I mean, look, they're still kids. And yet she would pray for one hour a day. Do you know why she would pray for one hour a day? Because she knew she needed it that much to handle 19 kids. The story goes... That there was nowhere for her to go and pray and be alone. I mean, you can't leave 19 kids alone. I mean, they'd burn the house down. Okay, I'm sure that John and Charles, you know, they were, anyway. So the kids knew that when mom was sitting in her rocking chair and she took her apron that she wore around her dress, when mom took her apron and flipped it up on her head, they knew she was praying and to leave her alone. Leave her alone. So the kids are out there playing, goofing off, and they come in the living room, and there's mom with her apron flipped up over her head. You know, look, you had 19 kids, you probably flip a lot of things over your head. She said 19 kids is no excuse for not praying. He says she made time to spend time with God. No excuses. No excuses. She raised some pretty good kids. You know why? Because she didn't get accustomed to accepting excuses for her obedience to God. Do you know why we don't have a full net this morning? Do you know why our faith is not full? Our fight is not full? Do you know why, simply put, this morning, we excuse away our obedience. And we're missing out on what God wants to offer us. Number two, how do we know? We're suffering from the empty net syndrome. Well, we accept our own excuses. There's a reason David said in Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You ever think about that? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Do you know what that means? Be empty. I'm not going to go lacking. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. The David, David is acknowledging. Look, everything you read about in Psalms 23 goes back to the very first sentence the Lord is my shepherd. Do you know why he walked in green grass? The Lord was his shepherd. Do you know why he walked beside still waters? The Lord was his shepherd. Do you know why he feared no evil? The Lord was his shepherd. David says, I can't excuse away God because my very dependence is upon God. No excuses. The Lord is my shepherd. And yet this morning we excuse away God and wonder why we're eating brown grass. We wonder why we're fearful. We wonder why we're not comforted. It's because we've excused away our shepherd, who's the only one who can supply that for us this morning. We accepted our own excuses. But finally, I'll give you this, and we're done. If you look down, the Bible says in verse 6, and when they had this done, what happened? When they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net broke. Just like that, the net began to get full. Aren't you glad we serve a God who can fill us abundantly? The Bible says it was so full, their net, about break. I'm glad that not only God does give us, He gives us a, a life, he gives us an abundant life. But watch this, I love this. Even living an abundant life can stretch you thin at times. What's happening? God's blessing, things are going well, and yet now their net is about to break. I want you to get this before we close today. Notice the net is breaking and they're about to lose it all. They're about to lose it all. All of what God had done and all of how God had blessed is, is now being put at risk. And so Peter isn't going to risk, watch, an empty net. Not going to lose it, not going to lose it. So how does Peter prevent that? The Bible says in verse 7, and they beckoned unto their partners. Here we see part of the solution for an empty net. The Bible says they beckoned And to their partners, number three, how do we get out of this empty net? And having an empty net, it simply boils down to this, number three, acknowledging the need for assistance. Acknowledging the need for assistance. Now, here's what Peter's showing us. This is a priceless truth. Whether your net is empty or whether your net is about to break, you can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. When Peter's net was empty, he couldn't do it alone. When Peter's net was full and about to break, he couldn't do it alone. He had to acknowledge his need for assistance. And folks, can I tell you this morning, sadly so many of us sit with an empty net or a broken net because we refuse to acknowledge our need. That's why your net is empty. And that's why it's still empty. And that's why it's going to stay empty. Some of you, look, you may be on the other side of this curve. Your net's about to break. The net's wearing thin. You think, I'm about to lose it all. And we sit back there. I'm okay. I'm okay. Is it 12 o'clock? It's actually 12.08. Time flies when you're having fun. Can't wait to get out of here. Can't wait to get out of here. And we're refusing to acknowledge our need. And your net's going to stay empty. Your net's going to break And you're going to be left like Peter Sitting here fruitless, faithless And fightless The Bible says in James 4 I want you to remember this before we close The Bible says that God resisteth The proud Do you know what the proud are? I don't need help I don't need help I'm okay Hey, my net's not empty Or hey, it's not going to be empty for long I'll figure it out, I'll fix it myself or your net is, you being feel like you're stretched thin? I think, I think Susanna Wesley was probably one of those whose net got stretched thin sometimes. And you feel like your net's about to break and I'm about to lose everything? The Bible says that God resists the proud. Those who act like nothing's wrong and everything's okay and everything's fine, haven't you seen my Facebook profile? My life is wonderful. It's great. I had the best husband in the world, best wife in the world, the most wonderful children in the world, I know some of you lying on Facebook. I know your husband. God says, there's no help for you. He resists the proud. He resists the proud. And slowly but surely, your net is going to break. And you're going to lose all that you had because you refuse to acknowledge your need for assistance. The Bible says in verse 7, I love this, they beckoned unto them. They beckoned unto them. They didn't waste any time. Hey, I need help. Hey, 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 I need help over here. My net is about to break. I need some assistance. That's what the Bible says. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What if somebody who's humble, they're coming in low, and they're saying, God, I'm broken. God, my net is empty. I have no faith, no fruit, and no fight. God, I need some help. And oh, that's when God starts pouring on the grace God says, hey, what was that? All right, no, he doesn't say that, but God says, hey, I know, I know. I'm just waiting for you to acknowledge it. You know, you can hide it from me, but you're not hiding it from God, and all it's gonna cost you is your net. It's gonna cost you your family, it's gonna cost you your kids. Matthew 11:28, 28, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But listen to the last part of this. It says, I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall Find rest unto your souls. Notice that word find. You're going to find what you're looking for. That void, that hole, that empty net you got. He says, hey, I want to fill it. I want to help you find what you're missing. But you have to come unto me. Isn't that humbling? Isn't that humbling? God, I'm going to come before you and say, God, I I have a problem. God, I'm I'm fruitless. No fruit in my life. God, there's no fight left. I'm tired of fighting. Say, God, I don't have much faith anymore. Would, would you help me? He says, yeah, I want to help you, but here's how I'm going to do it. But it all begins with us acknowledging our need for assistance this morning. Can I ask you this? Is your net empty? Is your net empty? You're like, gosh, last two years, man, we've been working, 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 and it's just this world so crazy. I feel like my net is empty. Are you fruitless? I, just, I don't have a whole lot of fruit. Are you fightless? like fighting anymore are you faithless it all begins with ourselves humbling ourselves before God and say God my, my net's about to break my net's about to break and oh God gives us the grace to bring it in to have that abundant fruit in our life again but it begins with us it begins with us Can I ask you this morning, are you empty? Are you empty? Are you broken? Or maybe this morning you're breaking. What opportunity is God offering you right now? What is God offering? No, that's not it. That's not it. I've tried religion before. He's not offering you religion, He's offering you something real. It's real. Are you empty? Are you broken? Are you breaking? What is God offering you? And finally, what excuse are you offering back? What excuse? You know that woman at the well? She was empty. She was broken. Christ comes to her and makes an offer to her of what? Living water. He says, I'll fill you up, and you'll never thirst again. She thought she was talking about regular water. She's like, give me some of that, you know, renewable resources. It was a thing back then. He says, No, I'll give you something springing up inside. I'll fill you up with something eternal. Watch this. He asked her where her husband was. She made no excuses. God made an offer. She made no excuses and she left full. God's making you an offer. The question is, are you going to make excuses and leave here empty? Let's stand with our heads bowed this morning. Let's stand with our eyes closed. Are you empty this morning? Are you fruitless, fightless, and faithless? God is offering you something this morning. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ, you can be saved and be filled, but are you willing to come? He says, Come unto me, come unto me. He says, You'll find the rest, you'll find that filling for your souls. Maybe you're here this morning and you're saved, but you're empty, you're broken, you don't have any fight. This morning, whatever he's offering you, I wouldn't excuse it away. I would just answer, as Peter did, nevertheless, at thy word. Okay. God, I'm just going to do what you say today. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the examples of Peter. Lord, thank you for the examples of his faith and even his failure. Father, we can see that even folks that were close to you had times where their net was empty, where their faith was low, and when the fight was gone, And yet, Father, you had exactly what they needed like you have what we need. Now, I pray today, whatever you're offering, Father, we wouldn't overlook it. We wouldn't excuse it away. But we'd be willing to ask for assistance. God, I need help. God, my net's about to break. Lord, I pray you give grace to every need that's here today, for it's in Jesus' name.